Are you happy? Magic Seeds takes a good look at everyday challenges and gives solid advice on how to navigate through them, be it relationships, career, parenting, or just not feeling happy inside. I'm Dr. Adam Grise. And I'm Laura Grise. Please join us weekly to discuss everyday situations that seem to be getting in the way of feeling happy and peaceful. We'll provide magic seeds and a reliable roadmap for you to follow to stay on a healthy path for your life. Welcome back to Magic Seeds. Today we have a special show. Laura Grice, what we got? Well, first of all, today we are gaining wisdom from a generation older than us. Actually, for me, two generations older than us from the silent generation. The silent generation. The silent generation. And that is very accurate. <laughs> very accurate <laughs> for our guest theme. today. So our guest today is my mother, nice. <laughs> Mama Karch. Mama Karch. Mama Karch. And Mama Karch is going to be talking to us today about marriage because we're still on the marriage segment. And I don't know, I'm just, I'm always curious about what we're missing. Like, what are we missing here in, as a younger generation in looking at my parents, my parents are going on 60 years of marriage and it's not just 60 That's years awesome. of marriage. It is. It is and it's not. Well, it's awesome to it just is. anything that's like a tree absolutely. that's been around in a while. You're like, oh, look at all these rings. Yes. It okay. might show some disasters, but like. Absolutely. Hey, a wait body. a minute. I don't have the ring. <laughs> we haven't introduced <laughs> you yet. Hang on. <laughs> Hang on there, guest. <laughs> Unruly guest. <laughs> so, no, I think it is awesome. And my parents are not just 60 years marriage. They met in high school. And they started dating in high school, which just, if you could see me right now, it just blows my mind. It blows my mind how people can be together for so long. Um, and I've gotten together when you're not even, well, again, generationally, back then you had to grow up much faster. Right. Now we're not growing up. I, I get, when I was 15, I consider myself prepubescent at 15, right. let alone right. getting married, like to meet my life partner. I didn't, we didn't get married till I was 36, mm. 37. You said 37, right. I mean, that's just insane. Imagine like getting, settling down at 17. I can't. Well, and not only, well, they were, you were younger. Well, uh, let me introduce you first. And then they got married at 21. So what we're doing today is just gaining wisdom from the older generations and just trying to wrap our brains around how you can do this. I don't want to use the word successfully because I think that's weird, but. Healthfully. Yeah, healthily, right. And how do you, I think my main question is this, I'd like to keep this flowing throughout the entire recording today, is how do you stay true to you and still meet the needs of your partner? And then how do you do it for 60 years or 70 years or however many years you've been together? The way I see it, just right out of the gate, we've obviously been talking about this stuff forever and mm -hmm. we're going through our own stuff. So everyone's going through their stuff. If it's so important to maintain a sense of self, right? You want to feel like you're fulfilling your genuine expression. And how do you maintain that while at the same time maintaining a viable relationship, right? right. Where it's like, there's my own little bubble, but now I have the second bubble, which isn't just about me anymore. And so what if they're not needing, what if they're not matching? That's and I tough. don't expect it to match all the time. And I expect to go through many years of patches of not matching and, you know, and ebbing and flowing. 
But anyway, well, well, the question then becomes, what do you do when? I think that's really the essence here. I guess so. What do you do when your truth is in contradiction to where the relationship, the combined relationship, what happens when you're in a space that isn't really aligned with the relationship? Do you just shut up? right? Because you don't want to rock the boat of the relationship, even if it's to serve yourself. Or do you just be silent and then let it, it comes out sideways and it starts breaking it down? Do you speak your truth? And then if you do, how do you do it? Because you don't want to hurt the other person or upset the apple cart. There's a lot going in there. Or is it just too late? We've come so many years and why would we even want to This is what I want to talk to your mom about. And then real quick, yes, I want to introduce my mom. Please introduce okay, your Okay, thanks. Okay. So anyway, what we're doing here is we are talking to, as I see it, three different generations or mother, you are talking to three generations. And that is the generation that is getting married or thinking about getting married. And so you're speaking to that generation and you're speaking to our generation who is 10, 15, 20 years into it and thinking, oh my gosh, is this even worth it? What we're doing here? Or is it worth it to go on my own path? and live my own life. And you're also speaking to your generation and you're speaking, you're just being as transparent and just no rose colored glasses. And my mama has a tendency to see life through rose colored glasses, which is beautiful. But today I had asked for her to be just really, really speak the hard truth about marriage. And if my mom slips into the rose colored glasses, Adam, today we're going to make a specific sound. We're going to call shenanigans mm -hmm. via. Oh, it's so beautiful. I hope you pull that, Lil, <laughs> so we can draw that out today. And she will. So anyway, today <laughs> is my mom, Lillian Karch, who is telling us her story and uh, we're discussing marriage. Mother? I have nothing much to say. <laughs> <laughs> crickets, crickets. Crickets. We have that one too. <laughs> we do. We have crickets. Okay. So are you going to ask your question? Well, okay. Thinking about this, I think no matter whether you're a 13-year-old who thinks they know all the answers to life <laughs> right. or you're 20, 30, 40, or 90, it's so easy to think that you know everything. And yet, as I get older, I'm like, oh my God, when I was 15, I thought I knew everything. That's ridiculous. When I was 30, I thought I had things figured out. And now I'm, you know, I'm 48 and it continues to happen. And hopefully it happens where you continue to grow and evolve. So what you thought previously kind of seems small. I think the older I get, the less I know. It's nuts. <laughs> right. Well, that's a good thing. I think if you realize how much more there is, you're like, oh, okay. I don't even begin to encompass the whole picture here. And so I think it's really easy for a younger generation to look to an older generation and be like, oh my God, you guys are doing it all wrong. What every teenager says to their parents, mm -hmm. you don't understand, you're out of touch. And yet I value the elder perspective. I loved the year working in hospice, just talking to these people and like, tell me, just tell me your perspectives because right. I couldn't possibly understand. I don't know them firsthand. I can right. maybe intellectualize them. So I wonder, first of all, I don't think it's any big secret that it's really hard to get through decades of marriage. It's yeah, really when, hard. When people say that, it is. I don't think they realize the impact of the word hard. <laughs> no, they don't. No, they don't, right? <laughs> they don't. They're... Marriage is a profession. It's one that you have to be dedicated to and love or you get out of it. Okay, so that's perfect because right, you want to go for the long haul, right? You're committing to something. Like you're saying, it's a full-time job. 
And it's then it comes down to how do I navigate through it? So it's easy for me to look at any older couple, any older people I've been married for multiple, multiple, multiple decades and see the dysfunction, right? It's always easy for us to spot Mm -hmm. dysfunction in other people, other Mm -hmm. things. And you're not as easy for us to see it in ourselves. But one thing I have noticed for people that have been married 40, 50 years, 30 years, is how after time, it seems that there's just been so many compromises one after another. And it's like, ah, you're not going to fight that fight. You don't fight every fight. But then it's things aren't cleared up. And after a while, there seems to be such an accumulation that it creates a certain level of disconnect where the depth doesn't seem as the, the vibrancy gets lost a little bit. And I wonder, I question whether or not I am just young and dumb and don't see the bigger picture. Or, I mean, just like you said, it's really hard work. I would think anything in life, after a while, if you don't continue to do your spring cleaning and look under the rugs, things will accumulate. So I feel like it makes sense for things to get to that dysfunctional place, but maybe I'm missing something and I'm being too idealistic. But Lil, what do you think about that? And also, mom, can you just give a brief when you and dad met, how old you were, how old you got married, and a little bit of your story? Yes, I was 16 years old and your father was 17 and we were in the same physiology class in school. And (laughs) he was, well, that is his profession now, but brilliant, absolutely brilliant. So he was cute and he was brilliant. (laughs) So I not only liked his looks, I loved his brain, the way it went and was in absolute awe of that. So that's where it started. It actually started on our senior trip, and we went on a train from Detroit to New York to Washington, the other way around. And so I got to know him a lot better. And then we dated for five years. I went to one college, he went to another, and we still get back together. Were there differences? There were a lot of differences in us. The one thing that I absolutely loved about him was his sensitivity to animals, which I love, and his sensitivity to other people, his kindness to other people. So that's really the things that drew me Mm -hmm. to him. There were three. (laughs) And that's it. (laughs) And you'd have to ask him what drew him to me. We're very different. I am more to the creative side, and that has been my profession, really. And maybe that's a good thing, too. And he's more to the scientific side. Somehow they meshed. I'm not sure how, but they did. I'm not sure how either. You guys are night and day. I've always said that. (laughs) That can work. That's a great balance. Obviously, it has worked. Right? Right. But it can also lead to conflict. Big time. Well, it's led to conflict many times. People think, oh, you get married and there's this picture of what you're going to be like and there's never any arguments. That's not true. You're going to have a lot of arguments. You have to sit down and think about, okay, I want out of this marriage. We're not at all compatible. We don't think the same way. And then you think, but who out there is? Are there two people in this world that will live for all these years together and be totally compatible? Well, then I'd say their IQ is a little low because (laughs) there's no such thing. Okay, well, 
But hold on. Then a sec. why? Then why do <laughs> Wait, it? Wait, but hold on. I don't think that's the ultimate issue. I agree with you a hundred percent. But I think it's not are you always gonna be on the same page? It's are you going to be able to stay true to yourself or are you going to compromise yourself in order to keep the peace? Have you stayed true to yourself all these years while no. tending to dad and his needs? No, not always. The older I got, the better I got at it, and probably the better he got it at it too. More understanding, and we still have a lot of differences. However, he tends to agree with me at the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Backtrack. Let's try that again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Listen, let me preface something here. Okay. Because I see people every day and the job is to get to the heart of the issue, right? To get down to the nitty gritty. And it's just right. kind of natural for people as they start laying bare their garbage. There's like this reflex that they want to let me know that, hey, like I'm not this bad all the time and I don't think <laughs> this way all. I'm like, I know. And first of all, you're not being judged whatsoever, but just bringing up the crap doesn't tarnish everything else that's going on. And for instance, like you and Pete have, I mean, I've been watching you guys for almost 20 years now and you guys have a beautiful relationship. Genuinely, 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 I feel you guys have a beautiful relationship. That doesn't mean there aren't some just really toxic parts or dysfunctional parts, and it's okay for those to be brought to the surface, and it doesn't mean that you have a bad relationship or anything like that. So just in the name of, <laughs> let's look at the shit. <laughs> in everybody's life, I don't care what anybody says. There are ups and downs. Even if you're single, you aren't 100% happy. There is no such thing as a perfect life. Do you feel like as a whole and as a majority, stay true to you, been able to stay true to who you really are in your marriage? Or do you feel like you've had to dilute yourself? Do you feel like you've diluted? Or let me ask you this. What part of you do you feel like you have lost or diluted when you're young? I know when you were young, and I don't know because of experience, but I know because of stories, you had so much spirit, right? Because dad always said that I was a lot like you. So that's, I've always pictured that. Do you feel like you've lost a lot of that spirit or I don't want to put thoughts in your head. What part of you do you feel like you have lost in order to meet the needs of dad? What part of you do you miss? Or if anything, do you know what I'm asking? Yes, I okay. do. And I'm thinking about it because I feel, well, I was just questioning myself the other day about my life, not about our marriage, but about our life together. And what did I feel about myself that made me very, very happy up to this point? And the first thing that stood out was my children. I'm very happy with my children. <laughs> Thanks, I Mama. think you better do the ding dong there. <laughs> I was thinking it too, but Adam's on control center. <laughs> oh, my children are just angels. No, it's not that they're angels by far, but I am proud of their success in helping other people, all three of them. 
and my in-law children as well. So I couldn't be happier about that. I am happy. And that's not rose-colored glasses. But you're not talking about yourself right now. You're talking about external things that make you happy. But we're talking about... These things make me happy. But we're talking about your expression. Your true expression. Like, the way I see it is, when you're born, and let's just say, I like to talk in terms of, like, the soul. Like, there was Lillian Kwasnika. Kwasnika. And she existed and she was something and not definable, but there was something authentic and specific to you that was predated marriage, predated children, predated the way you were shaped by your parents and society and all of it. And that genuine nature along the way, I think, like you say, certain times you have to compromise it because that's fine. But if you do it too much over time and you just get your satisfaction and fulfillment out of the things that grow around you, like children or jobs or careers, sometimes it's easy to get lost from or get disconnected from that genuine, authentic expression. And that's what we're talking about here. Don't you see that they are all an expression of me? Maybe they allow you to love the way you Mm -hmm. like, and that is it. I can see that. But what do you mean? I mean that I look at them and I think they know how to give to other people. And that to me has always been important. And I don't feel that I've lost that. I still feel that I have been able to do that, to help other people, to be with other people. I don't think that I have lost my sense of creativity. I might have lost my sense of creativity because financially (laughs) I've been overly creative and (laughs) I can't do that. (laughs) So I've lost it in that way. And I think the only thing that has bothered me is I thought at retirement that our retirement would be an easier life. Not, I mean, I wanted to continue to be able to garden and do the things that I love to do. That has not been taken away at all. But things that have been that I don't think need to be done at 81 years of age, my husband still feels that if you want to feel vibrant and in good health, you have to take a thousand mile bike trip. Well, I don't. So what have I learned to do? I've learned to go to your place. (laughs) (laughs) And I get my fulfillment there. I don't feel that I need to compete with him to do the things. He wants to live to be 100. Well, if we have good health, 100 is not bad. But if we don't, 100 to me is not good either. So with your differences, can you live the way you truly want to live? I think I do. (laughs) I mean, no. (laughs) Adam's fingers are hot. Well, see, you're thinking for me. (laughs) Yes, but we know you. Here's the thing. Like you said, like you love gardening, right? I do. We know that it's through and through. It's not like Pete says, Lil, you got a garden, so we have fresh vegetables. You genuinely derive so much fulfillment from that and you do that. And so again, this isn't like, it's not like black or white here. (laughs) Right. But we want to get to know because my generation, people that are at least in this throes of they've been married for, say, a decade or they have young children, we just see so much, so many times where the marriages really get very strained and the partners are at two different places at two different points and people don't know how to navigate through that. It's really scary. It's really hard. 
And there's a lot of frustration, a lot of anger, a lot of passive aggression. And it's kind of like an epidemic that's unspoken about because you don't want to blow things up. And part of the reason of wanting you on here today is because you've been through it. And it doesn't mean you've been through it that you've solved all of life's problems, but you have a little bit more perspective from the 10,000 foot view. So we want to see those hard parts, the parts that we can learn from. We want to be able to apply them and then hopefully pass that along to our children and the next generation so they learn how to get past the pitfalls. So what are the pitfalls? What are the ones that you could say at this point, huh, I've done good in a lot of places, fine. And yeah, we want to learn from that. But we also want to learn how to avoid certain things that you realize only after being married for 60 years, huh, didn't quite get this one. And then the question is, is it too late to change it now? Or at the very least, provide that wisdom that people can learn that sooner. Right. Like pass on the wisdom to your daughter right? Like something you really want to say to me. Don't make this mistake. Don't make this mistake. Right. Like, what is it? What is that gem? Keep your old friends that were dear to you. Don't give them up. Friends are very, very important. And the older you get in life, the better it is, I think, to have this friendship. And I do have friends from grade school. And I do have friends that I really admire and we talk and we have a good time talking. You know that I belong to several organizations, take classes. You have to keep your mind very young all the time. And during the time you're raising a young family is probably the hardest time in marriage because you are dividing. And someone just recently told me, and I passed this on to you, Laura, when you get married, you're a whole person. And each time you're giving a little bit, you start breaking that big puzzle and you start giving it to your spouse. And then with each child, you give a little more of that puzzle, you break it up and you're giving a little more to each of them. And then if you have animals, you're giving it to them. And each person is taking a little piece of that gigantic puzzle out. And what you have to remember is that after your job is done or you feel good about it, you have to start putting that puzzle or yourself back together and thinking about yourself and who you are. And that's a natural thing. You want to be a good parent. You have to be giving to your children. You have to be attentive to them. But you are giving a piece of that out. Every time you take care of an animal or your aged parents, and don't da-da-da there, (laughs) (laughs) and every time you have to listen to their problems, every time you listen or think about your siblings and what they're going through. One thing about siblings is you're all going through about the same thing at the same time, raising a family, what it takes. It takes away a lot of your leisure that you had before. You're putting yourself out there and you're losing yourself a lot. And you have to. This is part of living and having generations ahead of you. You have to say, look, I'm not a kid anymore. I now have children that I have to try to raise in the right direction. They have to be fed a certain way. All of this takes out a part of you. You might love doing it, but you know at the end of the day, you're absolutely exhausted. And then your husband says to you, I can't understand you. You don't want to have sex anymore. 
Let me tell you, when you're that exhausted, you don't want to think of anything anymore. All you want to do is sleep. Get a little back so the next day you can function all day. And I don't think that people realize, and it's a wonderful blessing. It is a wonderful blessing to raise a child, but there are a lot of hardships that go with it too. And not everybody has an easy time with their pregnancies, whatever. It doesn't make you that romantic person that you started out to be. And I think this is very important to remember for people because sometimes when you're young, you tend to forget that. And this is where a marriage can go sour and you have arguments about it. And you know in your heart what you should be doing, but you're splitting yourself in so many pieces and it's hard to keep it together. So then how do you navigate that, right? Because that's really well said. Just mm. you painted a beautiful picture there. So back how do together. you put the pieces back together? And then what if putting the pieces back together right. leads you further away? From each other. Right. Like your partner then, you, so you say you threw all the tough stuff, but now the putting back together phase has to happen. And the other partner's like, okay, finally, all that's done. And now either the kids are out of the house and so we can be back together or we're retired. Now we could start living a different type of life. And sometimes that just brings stuff to the surface for the first time. How do you navigate through the disconnect at that point and put yourself back together? This is why I say keep your friendships that are close to you. I mean, don't just have friends because you want to have friends and people around, but your true friends that you can talk to, I would think is like going to a psychiatrist because they have known you forever. They know you. So it helps to talk. It helps me when I get with a group of friends to discuss these things. We have our own little psychiatric group. And just to even give relevancy to what we talk a lot about on the show, how it's so important after every cycle, after you've experienced something, that it's so important to engage in an autumn, a release. And talking with friends, I talk a lot about maybe screaming or crying or just getting it out, but literally just having people to talk to is releasing that stuff. So a that's community. fantastic that you engage in that release. Well, I just feel that when you do this and everybody gives their little opinion and you realize that you've all been through the same thing or very alone. close to it, right? you're not alone in this world. There are many, many things that you go through that everybody else goes through. Okay. So let me take you further along the cycle here. So you do that great, right? Because life is life and there's just, there's going to be crap. There's going to be conflict. And so you effectively pull back, turn wherever you can turn and kind of get that out and kind of recenter yourself, right? Before yes. you go back into your life though, what the wisdom of the cycle would say is before you re-engage, when you are now feeling peaceful and have a better maybe perspective, start making some changes or start incorporating modifications, allow that evolution to take place. And before you go back out, just decide how you're going to switch things up so you could possibly produce a different outcome so you're not having that same conversation with your friends every month. So what do you do then? So what does that look like for you in terms of when you're going through a hard time, say with Pete, right? We're talking marriage right. here. And okay, so you get it out and you kind of feel good again. Steam's not coming out of your ears. What do you do to create a different outcome to be more aligned with what your truth is, what your needs are? Well, first of all, I'm getting a different outlook from different people. 
And I want to think about that. And you both know I tend to pray a lot, and I do. And when I see that an outcome is not good, that's what I turn to. Myself, I don't tell the world about it. I just do it. And I then think about what other people have also said to me and try to reconstruct it in some way that I am more understanding of my husband at the time. That's Whoa. the silent generation, Whoa, Adam. Right. And that right there, Mom, half that's why good. you're called the silent generation. But hold on, half of that is good because right, you want <laughs> yes. to be able to wear someone else's shoes, right? Yes. Be more understanding. But if that's as far as it goes, what's the missing piece in that equation? You're not hearing you. There's no voice within you. No, but then I sit down and tell the person, tell my husband exactly how I feel. But in the meantime, I've gotten some other viewpoints. How does that change behavior? How do you push against? Because that's what I see a lot is, and I think it's just natural as we age and it's just physiological, we get more rigid, right? You think a baby, you could like just throw them against the wall. They're fine. Now, all of a sudden, I get out of bed and I pull my back, right? I mean, it's like we get more rigid. I think people go two ways. I think a certain type gets more rigid and a certain type gets more complacent, actually. Well, complacency, I mean, is that. You're getting more stuck, right? And so that's why we work hard. We wake up every morning and do yoga, meditation, Mm -hmm. and breathing. So we offset that. We keep ourselves flexible and nimble and keep things coming to the surface. But it's so easy to just start getting kind of a little more fixed, complacent and rigid, where it's hard to, the older we get, to create change. And you can't teach an old dog new tricks. And that's kind of what I really wanted to talk about today was it's easy. And I hear it said a lot. Ah, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Oh, when you get older, you'll realize it's not worth it. And that's the part I want to have a deeper understanding about when you come through and you get different perspectives, Lil, right? And you kind of see things and you try to see it from Pete's perspective, which is great. And then you're like, huh. So I see it from his perspective, but that doesn't invalidate my perspective and my needs. And I need to advocate. I need to express that to my partner that this is important to me. But now you're asking someone else to be flexible. And it gets harder and harder as we age. So what do you do when you come up against that resistance? So you speak your truth and you're saying it with compassion and love and not trying to bulldoze anything. But what do you do when your partner's like, no, no, I don't want to be flexible. I don't want to change. What do you do? Then I get very quiet. Silent generation. (laughs) But the not conversing at all, I know egg him. But you do say a lot. It's not worth it. You say it all the time. You say, honey, it's just not worth it. Well, there are things that aren't worth it. There really are things that aren't worth it in the long haul that aren't worth it. Taken one by one, of course, right? What really is worth it? But accumulatively over years, at what point do the not worth it add up to you're no longer living on your terms, even if it was a dance and you did it together? It's like your expression isn't really baked into the final product. Then is it worth it? Oh, that's a hard one, Adam. Finally. I think it is. <laughs> I think you're worth it. That's why I'm always pushing you. I always think you're worth it. Thank you, Laura. Sure, I think I you're think worth, it worth it too. In-law <laughs> points. You, I want in law. <laughs> this is why I'm so happy with my children, <laughs> my in-law children. <laughs> Laura and I really want to avoid getting caught in patterns. And because of it, we've spent the last year really like just going through our crap. And it's been 
a really difficult year. It had just been maybe one of my hardest years on record. Because and, neither of us, it's not worth it, people. Right. That's it's why. not an option to it's just not an option. to shove something under the rug. It's not an option to be quiet. It's right. just, we're not wired to do that. But yet we don't really see the roadmap. We don't really see the, the model. And so we're just doing it and being like, well, you know what? At the very least, we don't know what to expect. We don't know if we're going to implode or explode, but we feel like if we could just be communicating and make sure that even if we don't have an answer right now, like you're saying, like there are certain times where your needs and Pete's needs are just different. Like you've been saying with the sex thing, like Laura's needs right now might be very different than mine. And we don't need to come up with the solution for that now, but at the very least, we need to be communicating, conversing about right. it and feeling like there's still a point of connection deeper than the disconnect. And we just don't want to go down that road where we're going to end up at 70, at 80, and where all of a sudden we've had these it's not worth it moments because, well, let's just rally around the kids and, hey, there's so much goodness in our relationship. Let's just not deal with this. But then all of a sudden you realize, huh, we haven't honored our individuality and the fact that we got married in order to champion the other one's life. So what say you, Lil? I've been trying to process that. (laughs) Well, look, if you want to have a long, successful marriage, there is give and take. No matter what anybody says, there is give and take. There are no two individuals that are the same. We all have a different footprint. And celebrate it all. And celebrate it and work with it. Yes. I mean, it's a job. Marriage is a continuous job. Like it or not, some of us love our work and some of us have problems at work. You have to work at it. When I retired from my work, I sat and judged everyone's home that I walked into. (laughs) I was an interior designer. Exactly. And it was terrible because I was losing friends. <laughs> it <was> like, <laughs> you're, like, you're so tacky. <laughs> <laughs> this is really bad. You know, <laughs> too much. <laughs> no. When your father retired, who had never touched a pot or a pan in his life, started to teach me how to cook. And if I may interject, he quite possibly might be the worst cook I have ever met. He puts everything that exists in the refrigerator so he can mix like oranges and eggs. Eggs. Yeah. It's just, it's really gross. I don't know what, there was just something. He's a brilliant man. He just can't cook. I can't do it. Not his forte. No, it's not his. It isn't, but he wanted to continue to teach. And he, and he was it, a professor, just so everybody knows. And he was bothering me to no end. He'd have all these pots and pans up and you couldn't eat anything. And I wasn't being kind about it. (laughs) What is this? (laughs) Even our dog, who was an Irish wolfhound, who would eat a person. (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't touch feed stuff. (laughs) He continued to teach. He continued to teach me how to clean. He'd never cleaned anything in his life. (laughs) And it truly, it did bother me. And I just let loose one night and said, you need to be teaching. Why don't you go back and do it part-time? Because this just isn't working. That was a rough phase for you guys. I remember that. Yes. That's a perfect example. Well, that's great. I mean, you didn't like it, right? How he was finding an outlet, whether it was correct or not correct, it didn't work for you. And you're like, this isn't going to work. We need to find a different solution. 
And then he'd say, the kitchen is really messy. And I, you just made this mess. <laughs> Cleanse yourself. <laughs> because part of cooking means cleaning. So have we had problems in 60 years of marriage? Of course we have. And everybody does. And anybody who tells you, and you can ring your little buzzer now, that exactly. their life is nothing but a bowl of cherries or a bowl of roses. They're full of it. They're full, full of it. Of it. Because you will have your ups and downs. What makes a good marriage is truly loving that person and getting over it. If you have to yell it out on a mountaintop, if you have to go away. I have, and my children know this, when they would all be arguing, be the sibling arguing, I would leave. Rather than they leave home, I would leave home and go and sit in the cemetery close to our home because there were some benches and I could sit quietly and not have to listen to all the commotion. I would come back home, and you would think the three of them were the best friends in the entire world and wouldn't even notice that I had been gone all that time. Sometimes you have to step away from it in marriage. Step away from that person. Give yourself time to calm down. Not try to think it through. It will, will take care of itself unless it's so deep and so bad. But I think in most instances, you will see that these little things that seem to matter so much are really insignificant in life. And when you hear people say, oh, just forget it. Don't. I'm too old for this. I'm too. I hear people who are in their 50s who are telling me that they're too old to do something. Or someone who tells me who just turned 60 that they're going to start a class for how seniors should prepare themselves in life. And I said, so what are you talking about? And she said, well, my age. When I hear that someone is 60, to me, they're still my kids. Right, exactly. <laughs> they're kids. You've got to be kidding. You think you have so much knowledge that you're going to do an entire class on it? Yeah, and, I would and, say your growth curve, your learning curve, your generation, I think it started at 70 and it just seemed like a total SHIT storm. Just starting with your friends' deaths, you had a lot of deaths. You went through a lot of waves and I've seen it with your parents as well, Adam. Just a lot of deaths in the waves, like the 70, the 75, the 80s, going through that. And just the pure fact that you are the silent generation and that women had a place. You are taught that women had a place as opposed to men and they have their place. And it's the men are very dominating to the women, which is why I do hear the phrase a lot from your generation of the women. It's not worth it. And that's why I want to strangle you guys sometimes. I'm like, it is worth it. You are worth it. I hear it so much. Please just have a voice. But it's not my place. To, it's just not our generation. It's not how we were raised. Well, I will tell you what my mother said to me just as she was dying, and she died young, and what I consider young now. And my father had died way before that. So she was left a widow, and she worked very, very hard to make sure that I had everything, that my life hadn't changed, that I went to university. It was part of her. And she was a beautiful woman. And when she was dying, I said, I am so sorry for what I did to you. And she said, what did you do to me, honey? And I said, I didn't allow you to remarry. I was a brat when I was nine, 10 years of age. 
And it was like you could have had life so easy and you never complained, but I knew you didn't have life easy. And she looked at me and said, honey, don't pat yourself on the back. Had I wanted to remarry, I would have remarried. She said, (laughs) when I didn't have to have a meal on the table at the right time, I didn't have to have, my father was a chef, the uniform starched and pressed when I didn't have to do scrub everything all the time and I could go to work and be with people. I never wanted to get married again. And yet when she was dying, and she said to me at the time, I loved your father so much, and I would compare anyone to him. Well, I would compare anyone to my husband, too. And I think that's something you have to look at. When you're arguing and everything, compare yourself to being married to someone else and see what that is really like. It's not all roses, that's for sure. And when she died, she must have been telling the truth because when she was semi-comatose, she called out for her mother, her sister, and my father. So I know that she truly loved him, but she did have a sense of freedom. I mean, our meals had to be at the table, always with a tablecloth and perfectly served. And, And my father was the chef, and I can't remember one thing he ever made. My mother was the best cook in the world. (laughs) It would be nice to not have to be a widow in order to get that sense of self back. Like It would be cool if your father had lived a long, healthy life that at some point your mother could have been like, hey, what was your dad's name, Lil? Michael. Michael. Like, hey, Michael, I don't want to be doing X, Y, and Z anymore. And again, much harder for silent generation. I don't even know what the generation Mm -hmm. before that's called. And even the baby boomers, like it's a different culture. The things that we're saying now, we have the privilege of growing up in an era where there are different norms and we don't have to overcome them to speak our truth as much, you know, but- It would have been really cool if your mom was able to go to Michael and say, hey, this doesn't work for me anymore. I want to enjoy my life a little bit. And then Michael could have been, your dad could have been like, well, this, ah, no, this is the way it is. But then she's like, if she held her ground, like, I love you. I don't want to be with anyone else. So can we make space for my truth here? And then after a little bit of appropriate tension and kind of rocking the foundation, maybe that if they were a great partnership, your dad would have been like, you know what? I want you to be happy. And so I could be a little bit flexible here and we can make space for both of our wants and desires. That'd be cool too. What's the magic seed Um, here? Yeah. So, I mean, just even wrapping that up. Well, first of all, Lil, you, without even speaking in terms of the cycle, you really hit upon so many yes, you did. magic seeds that we talk about. And it's really when something comes to a head, we have a harvest and it's not a good harvest. It's a rotten fruit, just bad experience and it's conflict. Before you try to figure it out, separate, get it out, right? Talk to your friends, do whatever it takes, but let the interaction between whatever caused that outcome, let it die, right? Let it die release your stuff. The only thing I would add for the magic seed is before you re-engage, make a change. Give yourself a chance. Right. right. Give a chance for something different to happen. To change the cycle. To change the cycle. Otherwise, I think it's easy to be, and I'm sure you've seen it, Lil, where you could be decades, decades, decades into a marriage like, huh, this hasn't changed. And then there's a level of passive aggression or just resentment. Yes, sweeping it underneath the rug. You're letting it die. You're letting it go. You're releasing it. it. You're letting it die. But you're not setting the new intention. You're not setting the spring. 
you're not creating an infrastructure that allows for both people Just to get to express themselves. And if you make those little changes along the way, it doesn't have to be anything major. I think a lot of times it gets to the point where it's 40 years down the road. And at this point, those yes. little tiny changes that could have been changed that wouldn't have upset the apple cart yes. now requires this massive. Uh, so it's like <clears throat> either this or I'm out. Right. Right. And it's like a complete I, remodel. I, I do see your generation, though not always be willing to work at things. Totally, mm-hmm. totally. And that does bother me. And I have seen a few of my friends who, after maybe 10 to 15 years of marriage, get divorced only to remarry again and have worse problems and then yeah. get married again and have terrible problems. It's a cycle because they didn't... They didn't make those adjustments. Didn't make Even the if adjustments. it's with a different person, if you don't make the adjustments, you're going to end teeny, up in the same Teeny, tiny, little... I think you're right, Adam, and you hit the nail on the head, is that if you make those teeny, tiny little adjustments with each cycle, then it won't seem so drastic when mm-hmm. the time comes. When you do lift up that rug right. and you look at all that stuff that's been swept underneath the rug, you don't want to get to that point. But if you're making just little cleaning... Think of it like doing yoga. You mm-hmm. do it every day. You don't say, well, how much more? But mm-hmm. after a year, you're like, wow, I can move so much easier. But if you try to move that way and your first time, your body would break. Your muscles would snap in half. You need to kind of coax it sometimes. Well, okay. We got to wrap it up. We got to wrap this up. Lil, thank you. too bad. Mom, I love you. I love you too, darling. I love you, Lil. I love both of you. (laughs) I love you too, honey. You are a lot of good insight, a lot of good value. So thank you so much Mm -hmm. for sharing and being open, candid. Uh, I know it's not always the the easiest Mm -hmm. way to go. So thank you, Lil. And until next week. Nothing but love. (laughs) Thank you. And to you too. Goodbye. Bye.